Man, I get the privilege and honor of introducing a really, really close friend uh, of mine for years, and um, I, I don't even know how we first met. I think maybe through Jesse and Ben Johnson, who were attending up a room, I think back in the day, at, even at the old building, and um, and I think uh, we did Hope Over Heroin and some other things, and I got to know Noah really well, and he invited me into his garage gym of CrossFit, uh, where uh, I got to just get humbled and beat up all the time and then Zach he would come in the evenings and cherry pick our scores that we put on the whiteboard from the morning and Zach we just had every day morning I come in I'm like Zach beat me by 10 seconds really I'm just gonna stop putting my scores up on the whiteboard so but anyway um, Noah he's just a dear friend come on up Noah uh, Noah and Megan they own a really amazing coffee shop in uh, in Troy called Purebred, and um, he's just Noah's Noah's a good dude, all right. And and I've known him for years. I what do you think? Eight, nine years, roughly, like looser at the beginning and got close. And yeah. so just a really really good guy. And and I don't I know a little bit about what he's going to speak on today. And I know he's going to challenge us to go and to, to share the gospel and spread the kingdom. Um, but I know this guy lives it. He, he lives it. And part of the reason he started his coffee shop is to impact lives beyond a cup of coffee. It's to reach hearts and to, to spread the love of Jesus through coffee. Um, but he's just lived it every day of his life. And uh, just his willingness to, to serve through Hope Over Heron with me and other things, just, just to people that, that need love. So I, I know a little bit of what I was going to speak on today, but I know he means it. And it's truly genuine. And no, it's an honor to have you today. And I love you, man. So thanks for being in my life. Absolutely. Noah Walker. Well, it's good to be here. Um, I'm so excited uh, to be able to speak today. I'll tell a story of how Aaron and I met very quickly, but I, I knew that was going to be a hug. There's been times when I first met Aaron, I didn't know if we were shaking hands or hugging, and it got real weird all the time, but he's a hugger, and so I've turned into a hugger. Um, but it, it's, just, it's just a blessing to be here. Um, I'll share real quick how I met Aaron. Um, long story short, I, I had a, a business at the time. It was my second business that I had started, and I, I was just fed up with business. I was fed up with people. Um, I told my wife, I'm done with people. People uh, wouldn't pay their bills with the jobs I completed and so on and so forth. I just got tired of people, right? And I said, I'm going to sell the business. I'm going to buy a semi. My grandpa was a truck driver, and I grew up. I job shadowed him in, in eighth grade. So I wanted to be a truck driver. I told my wife, just me in the open road, baby. Like, no people. That's, a, that's not a, a true story because people don't know how to drive these days. But I just wanted to sell my business and buy a semi. And long story short, be careful what you ask for because just a few months later, I'm actually calling Aaron saying, hey, can I borrow your orange church vans? Um, I was a youth pastor, like, very quickly after that open road truck driver thing and people. And we needed church vans to take teenagers to places. And I knew through my family that Aaron in Upper Room had church vans. So that's how our relationship started was through church vans. Um, so I'd borrow the church vans, and I'd be driving a church van full of teenagers, not the open road 18-wheeler that I had hoped of. Um, but it's, it's fun to be here. Um, it's truly a blessing to be here with you. I feel like a, a cousin of Upper Room for some reason. Um, my, my, my family's been here. My, my mom's been here for a while. My stepdad, Dan, and uh, I had some cousins, uh, Jeremy and Rachel Drake and Zane Drake that some of you know. Uh, they used to attend here, and my sister attends here whenever she comes to church uh, in her family. My brother, Zach and Lauren, and, and Cole and Caleb. We all know Cole and Caleb, right? Uh, it's just awesome to be here. I remember several years ago, 
uh, before my first visit, because I had I'd heard stories of Upper Room, right? I had been told about the Upper Room experience, and I had heard some about it. And so uh, before my first visit, before I got the courage enough to come here, um, I got online and I, I kind of researched what Upper Room was about and, and heard the story. I actually, actually preached at the old uh, building uh, uh, with Karis Ministries. I, I preached there one time or two times or something like that. But I had I Google searched and went to the website, and, and the first thing that popped up back then was Upper Room's a spirit-filled church. I thought that was kind of funny, right? Because shouldn't every church be spirit-filled? But as I've, as I've discovered um, over the past about five years, I've been preaching all throughout Ohio at different churches and different youth camps and such. I've found out that that's not the case. And I, I heard stories about Upper Room, how Upper Room's a spirit-filled church. And so I got the courage to come here uh, for my first time. And, and it was the first Sunday. We were sitting back in the back because I like to hang out in the back before I get comfortable, right? And that was one of the Sundays where Nicole got up here. And man, this was a river. And we all were going through the river getting a blessing. And I'm like sitting back there freaking out, like, what is going on? And man, I'm ADD. And so people worshiping and, and waving flags and worshiping openly and dancing. Man, I'm just like this all over the place, right? I was scared. I grew up Nazarene. That little tag there, Aaron, that little, that little that hymn, man. I was I, Nazarene, man. I, you didn't dance. You didn't do those kind of things, right? But as I grew in my faith and as I'm growing in my faith and as I began to read this book more and more and more, this isn't weird. I used to think you guys were weird, but it's not weird, right? This is normal. You read this book and the healings that Aaron would tell me about at the garage gym and the prophecies and the things that would happen and, and, and the miraculous things that's going on in the congregation, it's normal. It should be normal, right? The American church and our culture has taken what we read in here and we think it's not normal, but it is. And so the deeper I go, the more I thank you for being authentic, for being real, for being transparent. Aaron, thank you for being transparent and challenging me and encouraging me. And so I'm excited. I'm super stoked to be here. Thank you for not putting Jesus in a box, right? I grew up where Jesus was in a box over in the corner. I served at a church where Jesus was in a box over in the corner. And I've been to churches and preached where, man, you didn't feel the presence of God at all. The whole service. It was just a service. And church isn't just this service, right? This is part of it. It's not just upper room. The church is the body of Christ, the believers. All who say yes to Jesus and give their lives. We are the church. We make up the church. We can do church wherever. We're just doing it right here, right now, right? But thank you for not putting the Holy Spirit in a box. Thank you for being authentic. Thank you for allowing me to come. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm excited. If you can't tell, I'm an intense person. Funny story. Uh, this is off topic. I'm sorry. Rabbit trail already. Um, but I'm an intense person. If, for those of you who know me at, at the gym, I'm an intense person, right? Um, I'm also not a fighter. I've never been in a fight in my life. Um, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And one morning at 5 a.m. at the CrossFit gym, they always ask you a question today, and I wasn't awake. And they said, what's two words to describe yourself? And I said, intense lover. And I'm like, oh, man, that was not what I, I meant. I'm an intense, and I'm a lover, not a fighter. So uh, I'm super excited to be here with you this morning and ready to jump in. But all right. 
Uh, let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you. Thank you that we're not defined by four walls. Thank you that we are not defined by a, 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 a denomination, God. Thank you that we're not defined by just this service. We are defined by you, Jesus. You define us. Your Holy Spirit fills us up. We've already experienced you and felt you here today through worship, and we thank you for that encounter. God, right now, I pray you would open up our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that my words would be your words. Lord, my words only bring conviction. My words only make me famous. My words only build me up, God. I want to lay myself down. Let me lower myself to elevate you today. May you be elevated today, God. May your name be made famous today. And may you open up our hearts, teach us something new, challenge us, encourage us. And God, as we prayed, transform us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was the introduction. All right, uh, first question. I love questions. Uh, questions help us to think. Uh, Jesus used a ton of questions in his ministry. Uh, questions help us to process. Uh, and so I love questions. Jesus, he, he was asked 183 questions-ish in the Bible. He only answered three with answers. He answered the most of them with questions. So I love to ask questions to help people to process. I don't like it when people ask me questions because then I have to process, right? But it's good for us. And so my first question for all of us this morning as we get started, is when was the last time you peed your pants? <laughs> no, seriously, my son's raising his hand right there. He, he's like, I just did it yesterday, Dad, right? No, no, seriously, when was the last time you peed your pants, right? For me, I don't answer that. You don't have to answer it. I've been this morning. I don't know. But, but for me, it's a story that I love and I never forget in my life. It was fifth grade. Mr. Pierce, his fifth grade class, Cookson Elementary School. Long story short, uh, we had to take a test. It was a time test, half hour test, right? And of course, I didn't study. I never studied. I was I just tried to, to get through school the best I could with my looks, and it didn't go very well. But we had a time test, right? And we went to the bathroom before the test, and I was a troublemaker. I know you can't believe it now, as you've seen me and probably met me. I was a bad kid, right? I, I was a troubled uh, kid, and when we'd go to the bathroom, I'd be playing in the water fountain, or I gave a kid a swirly one time. And so I was probably doing something in the bathroom and, and just goofing off, but we went back to take this time test, and we just had a bathroom break, and we get back to the test, and Mr. Pierce said, okay, everybody, you have a half hour to take this test. When you are finished, flip your test upside down and sit there and don't move, all right? Half hour, here we go, and he started the clock. As soon as he started the clock, it hit me. You know when it hits you, right? Like, it hit me, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to go. So I'm like, all right, start, let's do this test. And so I start tapping my leg, and I didn't know the answer. So I'm like, A, B, C, true, false, true, false. I don't know what I was doing. I don't even know what the test was about, but I had to go to the bathroom. So I finally, after a little time, got the courage up to go to his desk. I said, Mr. Pierce, I got to go to the bathroom. He's like, no, we just went. And I'm like, I know, but I didn't go. I was goofing off, whatever. He goes, no, after the test, we'll go again. Go sit back down at your desk. So I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. So I go back down, sitting at my desk, and I'm, I got, it's like that type where it's burning. Like, you're just like crossing it, and it's burning, it hurts. Like, that was going on in the fifth grade, and I had to go bad. And so I went back up to Mr. Pierce's desk, and I said, Mr. Pierce, I got to go. And his desk was up in front of the whole class, and everybody's staring at me at that time, right? And he's like, no, go sit back down. After we're done, you can go. I'm like, listen, I'm going to pee my pants. And he said, go for it. And I said, fine. And I threw my hands up in front of the whole fifth grade class and I cut loose right there. Just let it rip. He's like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm peeing my pants. 
And he's like, go to the bathroom. So I run out to the bathroom. There was like a trail of water out the bathroom. But I had to call my mom and she had to bring me clothes. It was a bad situation, right? But I peed my pants in the fifth grade. It was terrible, right? You see this water. Thanks for bringing this, by the way, Aaron. This water, we need this water, right? We have to have water. Human body has to have water to survive. We can only go a few days without water, three days-ish without water. We can go several days, several weeks without food, right? But our bodies have to have water to survive. Our bodies are made up 60%-ish water. Our brains, 75%-ish water. We need water to survive. We need water to live, right? But we also were created with this thing called a bladder that only can hold about four cups of, of, of water, right? And my doctor tells me to drink a gallon of water a day, right? That's a lot of trips to the bathroom, letting this water that gives life flow through me, right? It can't just stay. Like in, in the fifth grade, it was trying to stay with me, and it had to come out, right? Water brings life. We have to have it to survive. We also have to let it go through us, not just to us. If you ever want to Google search something that's nasty, Google search uh, bursted bladders. It's disgusting. There was an astronomer in the 1500s who tried to uh, uh, hold his, 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 his water in, and his bladder actually burst and blew up, and he died from it, right? The thing that's meant to give life, if we don't let it go through us, it can bring death and destruction. This picture up here on the screen, you can kind of see it. Uh, it it's these wilted flowers. Those are the flowers at my house or our coffee shop before we hired somebody to take care of our plants, right? If you ever have a, 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 a pot, a flower, if a pot, if the pot doesn't have a hole in the bottom, when you water the pot, the water will just sit in the roots, right? The plant needs water. The roots need water to survive. But if the water just sits with the roots, it will create this thing called root rot and the plant will actually die. It will wilt like that right there, right? There has to be a hole in the bottom of the pot for the water to flow through the roots to give it the nourishment that it needs to bring life. The same is true for us, right? The water, Jesus is the living water. He says, those who drink from me will never thirst again, right? We have to have Jesus to survive. We have to have Jesus to live. But the thing that's meant to give life, if we just allow it to come to us and never through us, it could bring death and destruction. You see, a lot of times that happens in the Christian walk. We, we, we encounter Jesus and we have this radical transformation. Maybe it happened for you a long time ago uh, and, and, and you had this radical encounter and, or, or, or you had this uh, uh, testimony, this great thing that happened in your life and, and you became a, a Christ follower. A lot of times uh, our culture has just taught us that, listen, you just need to start going to church. You just need to start reading your Bible right? You just need to start, start getting connected and, and get filled up. And, and the church that I was a part of, we had discipleship 101, 201, 301, and 401. And we'd get people plugged right in along the way, man. We would start just filling them up and filling them up. And, and nowadays, we have amazing worship that we can listen to 24-7. We have some of the greatest sermons ever written that are on podcasts. And man, as Christians, sometimes the thing, Jesus, that's meant to give us life, sometimes can become so consuming, it can bring death and destruction. It's religion, right? We have to do this and do this and we have to serve and we have to give and we have to, to do all these things. Don't get mad at me yet because those are all good, right? Coming to church is good. 
Giving is good, Aaron will say amen, right? We need to do those. Serving is good. Mission trips, those are good things, but I don't think that's all that Jesus ever intended for us was just to fill ourselves up on him, fill ourselves up on him. And so the thing that I want to look at today, the bottom line I want to talk about today, it'll be up on the screen here for us today, is Jesus wants to go through you, not just to you. Jesus wants to go through you, not just to you. The gospel, it's not just for you. All right, I'm sorry to tell you, life's not about you. It took me a long time, about 32 years, to figure out that this life isn't about me. I thought it was, right? All that led to was, was heartache and depression, and I was overweight, and I had a broken marriage, and I was in debt, and I was miserable, because I thought life was about me. I thought the gospel was about me. It's not, right? Jesus wants to flow through you, not to you. The, the, the freedom in Christ that Aaron talked about last week, right? Those who the Son sets free is free indeed. We are free when we say yes to Jesus. When we, when we give our lives to Jesus and we're sold out to him, we are free. We are no longer slaves, right? But it's not just for us. It's not just for our own benefit. That's what I want to dissect today. That's what I want to break down today. Is that cool? Jesus wants to flow through you, not just to you. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 8. We're going to spend all of our time in Luke chapter 8, uh, starting with verse 27. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. But I love context for Scripture. Um, I grew up uh, not really knowing a lot about Scripture besides for the Bible quizzing questions so I could win a trophy um, and, and know all that stuff. But, but I didn't really know a lot of Scripture, the context. And I, I, I served under some pastors and, and watched some sermons of pastors who just take bits and pieces and, and kind of make things mean whatever they wanted them to mean and it's not really what the scripture meant and so I, I love to understand context of what's going on in scripture so Luke chapter 8 here's some context this passage is actually found in uh, Matthew uh, Mark and Luke um, and so you can find it in, in, in three of the gospels um, but this is a passage of scripture where, where Jesus he's actually begin uh, his ministry he called out 12 disciples uh, people begin to follow him. He begins to teach them information. The Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever written. Jesus teaches some information. He gives fresh revelation on old information, right? He begins to teach his disciples, hey, Moses said this, but I say this. And so he's teaching, he's traveling, uh, he's healing people. Uh, he brought a, a dead person back to life. And so Jesus is, is doing these things. Um, he actually, right before he, he, he writes this, or right before this account, uh, he actually was asleep on a boat and his disciples were with him there in a boat and a big storm came up and he was asleep and they freaked out. They forgot that they had God, right? They had the one who created the storms, the one who created the oceans in the boat with them. They forgot that, right? We're easy to forget some things that Jesus is God. He's right here with us. The Holy Spirit's inside of us, right? They forgot it, so they were terrified. I thought they were gonna drown. And so Jesus woke up and he calms the storm. That takes place right before this passage here. And then right after this passage, Jesus is about to send out his 12 disciples in their first missionary journey. He's about to split them up into twos, uh, so, so six pairs. He's going to send them out. But right in the middle of that, he teaches this, this account here. I love this account. It helps us really understand this whole idea that Jesus wants to go through you, not just to you. So here we go. Luke chapter 8, verse 27 says this. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, by the way. If you're kind of like, what are you reading from, bro? Like, is that something I've never heard before? Um, it says this. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, right, he just calmed the storm. A man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, 
he had been homeless and naked and living in the tombs outside of town. Right? I figure I'm just going to go for it today. It's my first time at Upper Room. Right? I'm just going to go for it. Demons and all. Right? We're just going to go for it. There's this story of this, this guy for a long time. He had been uh, homeless. He had been naked, living in the graveyard. Right? I love this story. I call it the crazy naked man. This is who I call him. Right? Crazy naked man here at Upper Room. But here we go. Here's this man who had been crazy. He'd been homeless for a long time, living in his tombs. He's going to encounter Jesus. Watch this. Verse 28. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power, right? Think about that. I mean, that's like the walking dead of Jesus time, right? Here's this man for a long time. It's not something that's new, right? This, this, this man for a long time, he'd been, had been possessed by demons. He'd been homeless, living in the graveyard. Whenever he was arrested or tried to be restrained, he would simply break out, and rushed out in the wilderness, controlled by these demons. I mean, this was probably a guy, a crazy naked man, who you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley, right? This is probably a guy who had some, some, some hit, that people probably knew of this guy, huh? Do we have any crazy naked people that you know of in your neighborhood? In the towns, maybe they're not crazy and naked, but you know some people who are some outcasts? Who that, that, that aren't like the culture or society. We have a few guys uh, who come into our coffee shop and we've gotten to know them by name, right? But they're different. When, people, when they walk in the door, people turn and stare. Sometimes you can smell them, right? But these people who are outcasts, who we wouldn't typically uh, uh, try to engage or encounter, we would probably, most Christians would try to avoid those type of people, probably. Probably like crazy naked man here in uh, Luke that Jesus is about to encounter. But look what Jesus does here. Here's this guy who's homeless, living in graveyards, can't be restrained, full of these demons. Look what Jesus does. Verse 30. And Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. When I read that several times before, I read that and I read that Jesus demanded, what is your name? And I thought about that, and I, I began to research that several months ago, and I was really researching the, 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 the original Greek of that word demanded this week, and I would try to say the Greek pronunciation for you this morning, but I would butcher it, and I would sound like not very good. And so there, there's a Greek word for demanded that's there, and what that means is to inquire, to ask. Jesus inquired, what is your name? See, it sounds different than Jesus demanded what is your name, right? What is he trying to do here? I think it's, 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 it's a great illustration of who Jesus is. I think it's a great illustration of what Jesus is about to do for this man that he wants to do for us. You see, Jesus is relational, right? He wants to know your name. He wants to have a relationship with you. 
He slows down. Think about this, man. This man who's possessed by demons. Jesus gets off a boat. He comes up. This man who's crazy, naked, living in a graveyard, full of demons, come and he, and he lays himself at Jesus' feet. And the first thing Jesus does is isn't like, oh, I'm going to avoid this guy or disciples, get this guy out of the way or let's take this back over here to the closet. No, Jesus walks up to this guy. He already commanded the demons to leave and he says, hey, what's your name? Let's have a conversation. I want to engage you relationally. Listen, Jesus wants to engage you relationally. That's who he is. It's about relationship, not religion. That's who Jesus is. He wants to know you by name. He wants to know you intimately, right? That's what he does here in verse 30. So the first thing, I want to pull three things out of this passage today for us to really grab a hold of this idea that Jesus wants to go through us and flow through us, not just to us. I want to point out three things, and the first is this right here, is that Jesus wants me to come to him, demons and all. Jesus wants you to come to him, demons and all. This man was filled full of demons, legion, many demons, right? Legion was, 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 was many. There was a, a, a multitude of demons and Jesus comes and engages this guy relationally and he met crazy naked man right where he was at demons and all right some of you this morning have been told that you need to clean yourself up before you can come to Jesus maybe you haven't been told that but you felt that right maybe some of you have come in here today and as Aaron said I don't know what your week has been like maybe you've been through a hard week right Maybe you've been through some struggles this past week. Maybe throughout your life, you've been through some, some religious baggage and struggles. Many people think they need to clean themselves up. I've heard it said before, I can't walk through the doors of a church. The place will burn down, right? right? I, 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 I can't come in there. I'm not ready to come in there yet. I don't know enough, right? We, we think that we have to clean ourselves up before we come to Jesus and know enough of this or maybe get, get some things right first. Once I figure this out, then I'll come to Jesus. No, listen, come to Jesus, demons and all. He wants to encounter you. He wants to transform you. He, it's just like he does crazy naked, man. He's about to cast these things out, right? So he wants us to come to him, demons and all. Many times I've had conversations with people and they'll, 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 they'll want to meet together and they'll say, hey, can we meet somewhere, uh, not at the coffee shop because it's crazy busy there. We'll meet like, in a private house or we'll meet in the roastery where we roast coffee and they'll, they'll come and they'll be going through life struggles and they'll look down and they'll say, man, uh, they won't make eye contact. And they'll look down and they'll say, what I'm about to tell you, man, is pretty embarrassing. It was kind of hard to get the courage to even talk to you. These are some close friends of mine who I've had before and They'll look down and they'll say, I'm sure you've probably never heard this before. And what I want to say is, man, I've only been doing ministry for about uh, five, six, seven, about nine years, but I've heard some crazy things. So I've probably heard it before, but they'll say, I'm sure you probably never heard this before, but uh, this is what's going on. And they'll share their story. They'll share their baggage. They'll share their demons with me. And what they're doing when they're looking down at the ground and, and discouraged and getting the courage up to actually confess or talk about what's going on in their lives, they're saying, man, you know what? I don't know if Jesus can handle this. I don't know if, 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 if his love's sufficient for this, right? No, Jesus wants you to come to him, demons and all. He's in the restoration business. He's about to restore and set this guy free. We're about to read it, and he wants to do it in your life as well, right? So he wants you to come to him, demons and all. It's so important for us to understand that. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. 
So the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs, that's very important, feeding on the hillside nearby. The demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. The the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Now, to this day, this is the greatest bacon tragedy of all time, right? I mean, I love bacon. My wife, she has to eat bacon every morning. Bacon and coffee are, man, this is going to be a bad day, right? I mean, this is the greatest bacon tragedy of all time. All these bacon, all these pigs died. Verse 34, when the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town, that's a huge detail, and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. I don't know where the clothes came from. I still have a question about that. Like, where, where does clothes come from? I'm not sure. But he was, he was fully clothed, completely sane, and they all were afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, right? A miracle that he came to Jesus, demons and all, and Jesus healed him, gave him a miracle. Verse 37, and all the people in the region of the Gesserines begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. There's a lot in those seven verses right there, right? There's a lot we could dive into and dig into, and Aaron gave me a timeline that I'll try to stick by the best I can. He gave me a really loose timeline, but we, 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 we could have a whole series for the next four weeks, like Crazy Naked Man series, Upper Room Worship Center, right? <laughs> and dive into these, these passages here because there's so much. But I, I want to hit a few things here. Is, is Listen, the pig farmers, that's a huge detail, right? I mean, this, this was not a, this, this region where these guys were at. Uh, the, the, it was Jewish region all around, but in this little area, uh, uh, this was a region of Gentiles. So it wasn't unheard of for for pigs. In the Jewish region, if you were a pig farmer, you were either a, a, an outcast, you were not Jewish, or you were an outcast Jew, right? But even now, I mean, think about the herdsmen, the pig farmers. These were not people of status or people of position, right? These, these were probably lowest of low. These guys were, 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 were tending to pigs, and the pigs were their livelihood. And so when Jesus sent the demons into the pigs, and they plunged over the edge, and they died, that, that, that ruined their livelihood, right? But look what they did. They ran back. Once they saw what Jesus did, these herdsmen, these pig farmers ran to the towns and they began to preach. They began to set up Sunday morning services. They began to establish worship teams. I'm just joking. They didn't do that at all, right? They didn't have a Bible to go around and thump people with. (laughs) They went around and they told people in the towns, listen, there's this man named Jesus he, he, he healed demon, or crazy naked man, the guy that was possessed by demons. He healed him. He cast the demons out. That bro is completely sane. He's wearing clothes. You gotta come check this out, right? They went to all the towns surrounding and soon a large crowd gathered. And so the lowest of low, the pig farmers, began to spread a wave of movement of people telling a story of a man who was demon-possessed, who was crazy and naked, living in a graveyard, how he had a miracle, how he was healed and restored. They told the story, and soon a large crowd gathered around, right? It's amazing to me that who Jesus chooses to use 
in situations like this. Everybody saw what had happened. Very public display. And he had an influence. So the second thing I think we can see from this as we think about Jesus flowing through us, not just to us, is Jesus wants my people to see my miracle. Just as crazy naked man's people saw his miracle, you have people, you have an influence, right? You have a, you have a circle of influence, the people that you do life with, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play, your family, your coworkers, wherever your kids, wherever you go to school for you students, wherever your kids play baseball or soccer or swim, you have an influence. You have people who you do life with, right? You have an influence just as crazy naked man had an influence. Everybody who encounters Jesus has a miracle, right? Some of you have crazy stories, maybe similar to crazy naked man, right? Maybe you wasn't crazy naked living in a graveyard, but you've been set free from addiction. You've been set free uh, uh, from pornography, right? You've been set free from generational curses, things that your parents dealt with. You've been delivered. You have a, a new story. You're, you brought your demons to Jesus and he restored you and he set you free. You have a miracle and Jesus wants to use your miracle as a public display. Of the, uh, uh, public display. He wants to use your story to reach those around you, to reach your people, to reach your influence. He wants to flow through you, not just to you. I don't know about you, but I was very afraid for many years of my life. I felt the Lord call me into ministry when I was a teenager, but I didn't know enough of this, right? I finished 97th out of 103 in my high school class. I'm not very smart. Actually, I was kind of lazy is what happened. I really didn't do a lot of work, right? Jesus, how could you use me? I stutter. I have a stuttering problem. I was a kid that whenever the teacher would call me, I would turn bright red. I couldn't speak in front of the class. I mean, I peed my pants in front of the fifth grade class, right? How could you use me, Jesus? I don't know enough. My story's not good enough. All I've known uh, was church all my life. I prayed a prayer when I was a young kid at VBS. How can you use me, me Jesus? When we come and we lay our lives at his feet, when we surrender all and get real and make him the center of all that we do and say, finally, no, no longer my way, Jesus. I've tried it. When we get real and say, you're the center, I'm gonna move towards you. I'm gonna let you do what only you can do. I'm not gonna be afraid of this spiritual thing. I'm gonna let the Holy Spirit consume me. He'll begin to use you and use your story to bring transformation to your people as he did crazy naked man. People will see what's going on. He wants to use your story to make a difference. Another question for us this morning. How'd the people respond to the man's story? What happened? How'd they respond to this, this healing, this demon-possessed man being healed and transformed? How'd they respond? Did they have like National Jesus Day, right? No, they were afraid. They were terrified. They were not ready for that, right? They were not ready for what Jesus did. They were more worried maybe about their, 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 their livelihood, their income, those pigs, they were maybe mad at Jesus. They were not ready yet for Jesus, for all that he had to offer, for the restorations and the healings that he was about to bring. Maybe they, they were questioning Jesus, why did you heal this guy, right? Why didn't you heal somebody else? Why didn't you restore somebody else, a person of position or status? Why'd you heal crazy naked man? They told him to get out of here. They were afraid. Jesus, leave. 
How many times have we done that in our lives where we've been afraid? Jesus has called us to something we're afraid of. We're afraid to, to move into that, down that, that river, that flowing river that I was afraid to get into many years ago, down the middle of the church, right? And we hold on. Verse 37, let's keep going. This is the part of the passage that many of us miss. This is the part of the passage that I love the most. Verse 37, it says this. So Jesus returned in the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. Right? More Jesus. Fill me up, Jesus. Give me more living water, Jesus. Give me more of this, Jesus. Give me more Bible studies. Give me more doctrine. Give me more theology, Jesus. I want more of you, more of you, more of you. It's not a bad thing, right? But look what Jesus does. What does he do here? But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him, right? Here's crazy. Jesus sent him home. Remember, he was homeless. For a long time, he was homeless, but Jesus said, no, go back to your home. That's what we read, but this Greek word that Jesus used for home is this Greek word oikos, right? It, it, we, we translate it in, in the scriptures in English, we read home or dwelling place or household, but it means a people group where you do life, the people that, that you do life with, right? How I translate it is wherever you live, work, and play. Go back and tell them your story, right? Go back and tell them what I had done for you. Share your miracle with them. I filled you up. I gave you what you needed. Now go and share it with those from your home. That's the third thing I think we can see from this is this. Jesus will keep sending me out to my people, not into myself. Jesus will keep sending me out to my people, not just to myself. Remember the, this, 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 this worship, grow and go banner that was up here. It's on, the, it's on the website right now. If you click on the website, Upper Room, Ohio, it is worship, grow, go, right? But listen, it's not just all about worship. It's great. It's good. We need that. It's not just about all growing. It's good. We need that, right? We need living water. We need to be filled up. We need Jesus, but we have to go. We have to allow him to flow through us, not just to us, and he'll keep sending us out like he did crazy naked man to our people, the people that we do life with, to pour into their lives and let them see what he's done for us. Many of us will be held back by the enemy thinking we don't know enough. He'll call you a hypocrite. Well, you're still struggling, right? You're still dealing with this issue. You're not perfect. You can't go and share. You can't love those who are unlovable. He'll keep us bound up thinking that we're not good enough, thinking that we don't know enough. We don't have all the answers. Well, somebody asked me a hard a question, how will I answer it? He just sent crazy naked man right back into his family and he shared his story. He began to work through him and around him. That's what Jesus will do. You see, Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished, right? He said, it's done. Religion will say, keep doing, 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 doing. But Jesus said, it is finished, it's done. 
When we place him at the center of our lives and we move closer towards him, he will work in ways we can never imagine, right? Words will come out of our mouths when we begin to open up and share our story. I've said things to people before where I'm like, man, I told my wife, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know who was saying that, but something was happening, right? It's not me. It's the spirit of God flowing through me. It's Jesus, the gospel flowing through me to others, to my people. And he wants to do the same for you. You see, it's this balance, church. It's this constant balance that we can't have just too much of one or too much of the other, right? It's this constant balance of coming together with other believers, coming together here on Sunday and worshiping and growing and encountering Jesus and being filled up, right? Being filled up. We need that. But then we have to go out wherever we live and work and play in the workplace and we have to pour Jesus out, right? We have to love our coworker who we don't really like. It's okay not to like him, but you gotta love him, right? You gotta pour out grace and forgiveness and mercy into the people you come in contact with. That's what Jesus did. That's what being a Christ follower is about, is pouring out Jesus onto those who we come in contact in. Then we come back over here and we get filled up again, right? Through a study, through a small group, through a worship time at home, through reading scripture. And we go back out the next day and we pour ourselves out and we pour ourselves out. There's this balance of being filled up and pouring out that we have to do, right? We can't just pour out and pour out and pour out and pour out. Soon we'll run empty. I've been there before, right? I wasn't being filled up. All I was doing was pouring out. I was empty. I needed filled up. I come back to the source, Jesus, the living water. When you drink from him, you get filled back up, right? You have a story to tell. You have miracles that you've been released from, right? If you have a boring testimony, maybe you grew up in church all your life, and you gave your life to Jesus and VBS when you were five years old, right? I don't have a crazy story like, like crazy naked man. Yes, you do. Everybody has a miracle. Every day we have life is a miracle, right? We don't deserve the breath that we take. We're all broken, we're all sinners, and we don't deserve the breath we take. So every day we have life is a miracle. We can wake up, even if we're elderly, even if we're 85 like my grandmother, right? She just turned 85. She has work to do, right? She has people to love. She has generosity to give. And so we have to continually be pouring ourselves out and pouring ourselves out because Jesus wants to flow through us, not just to us. Without water, we will die, right? But it has to flow through us. If we just hold it in, we'll die as well. We have to let Jesus out of us. You see, we've been praying for revival. I mean, I, I've been hearing it, and I've been praying for revival, and people have been praying for it. We want to see revival happen, right? The Tip City needs revival. Uh, Miami County needs revival. Ohio needs revival. The U.S. needs revival, right? We need revival. Listen. I've been convicted that, listen, revival is not going to happen if we just fill this place out, right? That's a good thing, right? That, that's a step in the right direction. Revival is not going to happen if, we just, if you just knock this wall down and build a bigger uh, uh, sanctuary to hold more people. Revival is going to happen when we go from here and we live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, pouring ourselves out onto other people we come in contact with, Right? Jesus should be oozing out of us. The Holy Spirit should be overflowing out of us to those we come in contact with. The crazy naked men in our 
cities, <laughs> the people we meet at the coffee shop, the people we meet in the gym, whatever it is for you, wherever your workplace is, those people around you, that's when revival is gonna happen. When we live this thing out, when we come and we worship and we grow, but we go and Jesus flows through us, not just to us. I'm gonna wrap up here this morning. I have a lot to get through, but I'm gonna wrap up here and ask us some hard questions. I'm gonna ask Brady to come and play some music behind us. Um, but being a Christian is just not about heaven, right? Being a Christian, when you, when you give your life to Jesus, it's not just about getting to heaven. That's a great promise. We're, we're promised we're part of God's family. We're part of his kingdom. He adopts us as sons and daughters, right? But being a Christian, that's not what it's about. That's not the ultimate goal. That, that is the end goal, but that's not the ultimate goal, right? There's work to do. There's people who need to experience the same grace and mercy and forgiveness that you've experienced. And being a Christian, being a Christ follower, being sold out to Jesus is a life on mission. It's not just about getting to heaven, but it's about living out heaven here on earth every single day, right? It's messy. It's not easy. It's messy with crazy naked men, right? It's crazy with the people we come in contact with. It gets messy when we get real with people. We start confessing our sins to each other, our baggage, our demons. It gets messy. It gets hard. That's when Jesus can fill in the gap, and that's when he can work. That's when he can do what only he can do, right? So my question as we wrap up this morning is this is very basic stuff, right? This isn't crazy new revelation that I received last week. It's not a download from the Lord. It's basic. But I think Jesus was basic. And all the religious people tried to trap Jesus as Aaron was preaching about last week. Jesus boiled down the gospel to love God and love others, right? That's all this is about. It's loving God and allowing him to flow through us to others and loving others. Simple stuff, but yet so complex. Yet so difficult to live out. So difficult to do. So my question as we think about this this morning is this. If you're taking notes, write this one down. This is important. What are you doing with what you already know? What are you doing with what you already know? Who are those people who you need to love? Who are those people who you need to give grace to? Maybe you have it here. You have all the knowledge, right? You have all the doctrine. You have all the theology. You have all the answers. You are full of Jesus. You are full of living water. But what are you doing with that living water? Are you keeping it for yourself? Are you just trying to become a better version of yourself? Are you allowing him to flow through you onto others? Because when you do that, that's when new growth can happen, right? We, we, we text that answer to Josh last week and I was hoping he would read mine because I wanted mine to get read, right? I'm over there like, as everybody else was, read mine, read mine, read mine, right? That's how I grow the most. That's how I walk in the freedom that Jesus has given me is by pouring myself out to others. 
when I have conversations with other people who are going through struggles that I've been through, I'm able to pour out to them and they're able to challenge me. I'm able to challenge them. That's how we grow. Iron sharpens iron, right? When we allow our stories to be shared, we allow what's happening to our our lives, maybe not good, but when we've been transformed, it sharpens other people. So what are you doing with what you know? I want you to all do something real quick with me. Pull out your phones if you have your phones. This was done to me and it wrecked me and transformed me and challenged me and got me outside of my comfort zone like a lot of things do. Pull out your phone here and go to your, your maps or your Google Maps or your Apple Maps, whatever it is. Type in your address. I did this once and I was convicted. Type in your address. I think mine might be up on the screen here. There's a map that might pull up. But type in your address and then zoom in real big. Zoom in real big here. Siri might talk to you. That's all right. Somebody might talk to you, but zoom in real big. If we're going to live on mission, if we're going to allow Jesus to flow through us, not just to us, wherever we live, work, and play, our circle of influence, here's my little map. It's up on the screen. It's hard to see, but that's my little dot right there. I've been there. That's my five-year house. That's 17 years later. I'm still there, right? Uh, One day, I'm going to build this big house when the Lord allows me to, but right now, we're still there. And I was convicted because a good friend of mine said, no, how many of those neighbors, those little houses around there, do you know their names? I lived there for probably at that time, maybe 10 years. And the person that lives right next door to us, maybe 25 feet literally from our house, (laughs) I knew their name kind of. I didn't know their story. Never had once engaged in a conversation with them, never once. Their garage door would go up and they'd go in and they'd go in the house, right? But how many of those people in your neighborhood or around you, how many of those people do you know their names? How many of those people around you who live around you, maybe 100 feet from you, they sleep right there. You see them all the time. How many of those people do you know their stories? Do you know their kids' stories? Do you know what they're going through? How many times have you prayed for those people specifically? That convicted me. See, if we're gonna see revival happen, we have to change our neighborhoods. We have to love our neighbors as ourselves. We have to allow the gospel to flow through us. They're not gonna get it by osmosis. My neighbor's not gonna know Jesus by osmosis, me hoping she will, right? It's by praying for her. And my wife, she's convicted me and she challenged me and she's better at this than me. Over the past several years after having this conviction, we've begun to know our neighbors and strategically uh, try to have conversations and, and try to engage and we do things to engage them, not preach to them, not go proclaim the gospel to them, but just love them, right? And we pray for them. And we're seeing our neighbors move closer to Jesus. So what are you doing with what you know? Who are the people in your influence? Who are the people wherever you live, work, and play that you need to invest in, that you need to love, that you need to reach out to, that need to hear your story? Maybe they don't know your story. Who do you need to share your story with? Last question is this morning, so what's your miracle? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I don't know my miracle. Maybe you haven't fully came and 
fell at Jesus' feet as crazy naked men did, full of demons. Maybe today you're sitting here and you are full of sin. You're full of struggles. You're, you're, you're still uncertain about even hearing about this Jesus. And you know that the way that you're living life, that you know the way that you're doing things isn't quite working for you, but you haven't came and fully fell at his feet and given him all your demons. Maybe you thought you need to clean yourself up before you do. Maybe you thought you need to know more. Listen, he wants to know you. He already knows you, but he wants to know you more. He wants relationship with you. He wants to have an intimate relationship. He wants to have a conversation with you today. Maybe today is the day for you to have a fresh start, have a miracle, to go all in. Listen, I knew of Jesus for a long time. I knew Jesus all my life. I knew all the things to do and all the things not to do. I, I, I was convicted most Sundays. I went forward and prayed a prayer all the time because I was afraid of hell, right? but I wasn't sold out. I never surrendered all to Jesus until later in my 30s. Finally, my way wasn't working and I gave it all to him. I said, fine, whatever you want, Jesus, your way. And I'll tell you, it's been a wild ride. I went from hoping I was gonna have this awesome 18-wheeler to driving a teenage passenger van, right? Youth pastor, that's what he does. It's been amazing. I've seen so many amazing things happen in people's lives. The closer we walk to Jesus, the more he flows through us, the more he's glorified, the more the kingdom is built, right? That's what he wants to do today. So I don't know where you're at today, but what are you doing with what you know? Today's the day for your miracle. Today's the day for healing and restoration. Whatever you bring in, there's nothing he hasn't seen. There's nothing he can't heal. There's nothing he can't set you free from. So after I pray, if you need to come forward, I'll have a prayer team up here. They want to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, if you need restoration, if you're going through a marital struggle, a relationship struggle, whatever it is today, listen, Jesus wants to meet you. He wants you to bring it all to him, demons and all. And he wants to flow through you, not just to you. Remember, revival is going to happen when we live this out outside of these walls. Not just on Sunday. We have to fill ourselves up to go pour ourselves out. So let's go this week and do that. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together with your people. Thank you, Jesus, that you are enough. Thank you, Jesus, that you are sufficient, that, that you love us so much that you sent Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Thank you for bringing restoration and healing. Thank you for giving us miracles. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for the freedom that we can live in. Thank you for filling us up. Jesus, you said it's better that I go so my Holy Spirit can come upon you. You said we receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. God, we want your power. Holy Spirit, we want your power to flow through us, not just to us. God, we wanna see a revival in this city in this county, and God, we know it's gonna be by us living out this mission every single day, loving the people who are unlovable, giving grace and giving forgiveness. God, some of us are spiritually fat right now. We have a lot of living water, and we need to let you ooze out of us. And so my prayer is that you would come and bring transformation right now. For the marriage that's struggling, for the person who's struggling with lustful thoughts, so a person who's still struggling with addiction, God. For the person who's still struggling with shame, 
Maybe something's happened to them and they're still feeling guilt and shame from that. God, I pray you'd come right now. I pray you would invade their hearts, invade their lives, and allow them to come to you, bring restoration. Give them a miracle today. Bring transformation today. We thank you. We love you. Flow through us this week. And may you get all the glory. May you be made famous today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer today, feel free to come and pray with one of the prayer teams. If you need anything, come and thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us online, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you guys. You are dismissed.